0: Uh, Welcome to the world game podcast uh, Russia 2018 and uh, coming all the way from Moscow for you every morning and before we start let me uh, remind you that you can uh, download or stream this podcast and even subscribe to this podcast uh, from our website uh, sbs.com.au slash the world game today we've got a pleasure to have Craig Foster with us hey Craig how are you
1: yeah great yeah enjoying the
0: tournament what an incredible day of football with uh, plenty of goal, plenty of drama. We start with uh, uh, the latest match that just uh, happened, Germany against Sweden. Boy, how was tight for
1: Germany? Wow, just extraordinary that they can come and uh, win the game so, so late. I mean, the pressure must have been just suffocating. Uh, Some good uh, substitutions by uh, Jurgi Love to try and get that game back. And of course, with um, 10 men uh, was just huge pressure in that last 20 minutes or so. Um, We thought they were gone. Uh, But you know what? As everyone knows, in World Cup history, you never count the Germans out. Uh, and they came back strong and uh, they've put themselves now in a reasonable position to get through. They should grow from this because that takes real heart and character to get through that situation.
0: That substitution with Ozil. What is what? What can we read into this? Is has he had too much of a season? Do you think Ozil is he is he is he tired coming into or getting into this World Cup?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. He was left out of the game, so that was the first time he hasn't started a game for Germany in since 2008. In yeah, in a major tournament, so it's 10 years. Uh, 26 games in actual fact, so that was a massive statement, uh, a massive decision and those ones can backfire, so that was Brave from Yogi Love and. Uh, He put Draxler inside. I'm not sure if he anticipated the game that he got from Sweden. Sweden were extremely defensive right from the first minute and sat back on the edge of their box. That's actually the game that you really need Ozil in, actually. Um, He might have thought it was more of a transition game, that Sweden would come up at least a little bit higher. And Draxler's quicker, Royce is quicker, and he had Werner in there and so on. So, you know, by the second half, we were actually thinking, well, this is actually the game for Ozil um and he might have misinterpreted it slightly anyway in the end uh he was able to get the job done Royce Werner were excellent uh in the second half and uh ultimately you know as a world class player in Cruz who was able to to make the decisive goal
0: and what a goal i mean 94th minute is the latest goal germany has ever scored except the extra time ever in the history of the World Cup. Uh, I mean, that was a screamer. We can say it was a screamer.
1: No, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And within under that pressure, you know, with uh, practically the last kick of the game almost. Uh, it's just amazing. Uh, absolutely perfect. You know, it's in that moment, it's sort of like Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, his last almost kick of the game, the free kick to earn a draw against Spain which is just extraordinary to to deliver that level of execution and excellence at the right moment right at the death it takes uh real guts so both of those free kicks were pretty extraordinary
0: Sweden, uh, I know we debated with Lucy in a previous podcast that uh, is Ibra missing in that team or not. What's your reading on this? Because this is a sort of game where he could have made a, a, a big difference for Sweden and actually bring the score
1: home. Yeah, well, yeah, possibly. But also, um, you know, it's. I think it's a very long time. It might have been way back in 58 when they hosted the tournament that they actually won two games in a row. And they've won the first one, rightly so, against Korea, who were poor in that game. And now they've almost uh, beat the reigning world champions. So I would say it's difficult to criticise Ibra not being there. It, they've, uh, they've had a marvellous start to the tournament. The first two games have gone almost perfectly for them. Uh, just, you know, right at the death, Cruz has been able to do something very, very special. So it, it's difficult to criticise them. It's going to come for them, of course, down to this final game now.
0: Do you see Germany winning this World Cup now or not? Uh, what do you make of that team compared to the, the, the one we saw in Brazil that was so dominant on the game? They're not that dominant yet, maybe?
1: Well, the interesting thing about this tournament is that all of the major teams have frailties. You know, Argentina is extremely frail and may well go out. Uh, Germany still have frailties. You know, you saw it today against the pack defense they're, they're really struggling to get through and they're, they're not dealing with the counter-attack in any way. So teams have improved both at their deep defending and their counter-attacks. So they're really struggling. Belgium started um, very, uh, in in an average sense, but they picked up today against Tunisia, was a much stronger performance. Um, Probably the best half that I've seen of football so far, the most dominant, the most um, effective, uh, was England, actually, against Tunisia in the first 45. They played really exceptional football at that time. Uh, they had to scrape through for a result in the end, but they demonstrated uh, that they don't have too many frailties and uh, you know they're looking very, very good. Brazil, first game against the Swiss, nothing exceptional. Second game was pretty good. I thought the second half, Neymar really took control there. But all, none of them really have clicked into full gear yet. That's normal for a world champion, but it's not normal for so many of the big guns. And look at France, you know they haven't convinced yet either. Uh, Virtually all of the big guns are struggling in different departments.
0: And then we've got the, the finalists and the winner from last time that are struggling. We've got the third one that is not here. Is, is it a new era of football, do you think?
1: Uh, well, yes, it, it could well be. Um, I still see Brazil as being really, really strong. I think they'll improve throughout the tournament. Um, for Germany, they've, they've still got plenty of weapons going forward. The only question is whether they're going to get hurt on the counter again. And of course, if they leave less players back, they're more effecti- uh, less effective in attack. So, you know, to be, to be slightly more defensive, if, if you like, can also affect their attacking plan. So, um, you know, as to who it looks likely, you know, France is an interesting one because Deschamps doesn't have them firing yet. But having said that, if they start to really click into gear, often teams will find their best 11 as the tournament goes on. All of a sudden Giroud's come back in, that looks better. He's starting to work the team out a little bit better. In the final game let's see them against Denmark, you know we need them to win France so all of Australia are very much behind them and let's see who continues to build through the tournament and work out the issues within their group.
0: Absolutely okay. You mentioned Belgium, Belgium won 5-2 against Tunisia. Uh not really a surprise. Maybe the scoreboard is a bit of a surprise.
1: Well, yes, I'm not sure about that. You know, we we knew, we always knew that they could do it. I mean, they're scoring virtually two goals a game regularly. Uh Lukaku has I think um 17 now in in uh, his last 11 games. Um, they are a team that, particularly in second halves, when games open up, they're just killing everyone. Um, first halves, they haven't been um, overly impressive, and they're keeping De Bruyne deep, just making sure they're not getting hit too much on the counter, which is you know, Germany's problem. But once, the game, once they get ahead, they're committing people in attack, and they're just killing teams. So they're, they're starting to look stronger and stronger.
0: And two goals from Hazard, two goals from Lukaku. They, their strength is there.
1: Yeah, they've got one of the best um, attacking lineups uh, in the tournament. I think Boyata has uh, question marks around him. Uh, I thought Vertongen got caught a few times today as well. Carrasco on the left, that's definitely not their strongest side. Munier was very good, along with Mertens and Hazard. So, every team has some weaknesses. No one has a f- you know, an incredibly strong... Uh, 11 players. Um, the closest to that would probably be Brazil, although they've now lost a couple of fullbacks to injury as well, but on the right hand side. Uh, but uh, centre of midfield, extremely strong. You've still got Thiago Silva there, you've got Alisson and Edison, uh, you know, the goalkeepers. So they look very, very good actually in comparison to everyone else.
0: And the third match was uh, uh, Mexico against the Republic of South Korea. Uh, 2-1 for Mexico. Uh, What did you make of that match? And then Mexico, because they transformed what they started against Germany, really.
1: Yeah, Mexico uh, did really well. They played a very different game. Um, And so again, they've demonstrated the ability to change strategy from game to game. You know, today they went and pressed. They were much more uh, proactive uh, against, again, a pretty disappointing uh, South Korea team. So for Mexico, you know, they're trying to hit the quarterfinals. Um, are they as strong as the other really big ones in the tournament? I'm not quite sure about that. But as they grow in strength and, and, and momentum and confidence, it's going to depend, I think, for teams like Mexico, a lot on the draw who they get in the knockout stages.
0: Uh, for Mexico actually one one last word on them we see so many fans here how much does that bring for the for the team actually so far away is that really that twelve man
1: uh it certainly can be yes um well look you've only got to look at the incidence of host nations and how well they go virtually all of them do better at home their support is uh, extremely important you know australia in 06 when we had so many fans there makes a big difference if they go down the fans are with them if they go up you know the noise is there drives them on I don't think there's any question about that. So, you know, when Australia travels away from home, it is fabulous to have so many of our fans in town and at the stadium as well.
0: Absolutely. Okay, we take a short break and then when we come back, we look at what's coming up tonight on SBS. Don't go anywhere.
1: Feel closer to the action with the 2018 FIFA World Cup app. Oh, brilliant goal. With live matches and replays, highlights and multiple camera angles. It's into the net. Plus, keep up to date with the Interactive Match Centre, statistics and all the latest news from Russia. It's not to be denied today. Experience the World Cup from every angle with a free 2018 FIFA World Cup app. Download now.
0: Welcome back to the World Game Podcast. Uh, let's have a quick look at what's coming up uh, tonight on SBS. Uh, we got England-Panama. You mentioned in the first part of this podcast and I know Lucy is also banking on, on England. England, are they the dark horse of this World Cup? And what are they going to do against Panama?
1: Oh, They should uh, really put them to the sword, actually. Um, they are offensively very, very strong. Um, defensively with their back three they showed a few frailties even against Tunisia Um, whilst Tunisia didn't create too many clear-cut chances uh, they did when they pressed win the ball off them a few times uh, Kyle Walker in particular and I think that might be a problem against stronger teams but against Panama I expect them to score early and probably to score quite freely
0: and then they can book the ticket to the next round by that game.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, And then it's going to come down to that game with England against Belgium, and that's a we'll get a real sense of the the relative strength of both teams there, because Tunisia and Panama haven't been uh, huge complex exercises for them. Uh, It's a very clear group: two really strong ones, two that you know don't have a strong either as a debutant or don't have a strong record. Tunisia. So when they come together, we'll have a, a better idea of their strengths. Okay,
0: next match will be Poland-Colombia. That is an interesting match because here are two teams that are back against the wall. They both lost to the first round. They have to win that match. It's going to be, it should be an interesting match.
1: Yeah, well, uh, for Colombian fans, hopefully they don't go and get someone sent off so early in the match. That was horrible. And it really allowed Japan to control that game. Uh, For Poland, they're not able to find Lewandowski. They haven't been effective at all. Very structured, not a lot of movement. Lewandowski is coming deep, trying to search for the ball a lot, which means they don't have a lot of threat up front. Um, They're not getting behind teams. Um, they're looking very, very ordinary at this tournament, actually.
0: And the last match, uh, Japan against Senegal. Uh, Senegal has done a very good uh, first match. What do you see in that match?
1: Yes, yeah, Senegal were quite strong. They're very structured and they've got speed out wide, full backs quick. Um, Mane, you know, you know what he can provide. Niang was good as well. They were a bit lucky. Um, you know, one of their goals when he came on from the assistant referee, let him on at an inopportune time for Poland. Although um, Poland made uh, Krakowiak made a horrible pass backwards, uh, for Japan it's good to see them do well in their first game. I'd like to see them uh, play the same type of football that they played there. Um, I think if they do, then they should be able to control this game. But they are going to have to be concerned about the counter attack because uh, Senegal play reasonably direct and they do have some really quick players. But it'll be interesting to see after South Korea have gone out with two losses. It would be nice to see um, Japan do better and represent AFC as will hopefully Australia.
0: Absolutely and then one last question. Uh, there's been some reports today in The Age about uh, Milligan uh, saying that he maybe he will retire at the end of this World Cup. Uh, apparently the Federation, the FFA is trying to push him towards the next Asian Cup. What's your reading on this? What do you think of this?
1: Um, well, I'd imagine if anyone's trying to push him, it would be Graeme Arnold, the uh, next coach. He, I'd imagine he's heard about it and most likely would have been in touch. He'd already be planning, of course, towards next year. Look, he's had four World Cups and, um, and an outstanding career. So um, it'll be an interesting issue because if Australia feels or the Australian coach feels that he needs him, um, then this concept of players you know, retiring on their own terms rather than answering the call for the nation is, is a difficult one. I tend to think that the latter should be the case. If you're required by your country, uh, then you should be turning up. That's to me, is the whole point of actually playing for Australia. So let's see what happens. Uh, but if he's required, then um, we'll see what uh, decision Mark makes. Thanks, Craig. It was a pleasure to have you in the podcast. Okay, pleasure. This is it for the
0: podcast today. Let me remind you uh, our website, sbs.com.au/slash the world game, where you can uh, listen and stream and download and even subscribe to our podcast. Uh, so don't hesitate to do so on sbs.com.au/slash the world game. Next episode for us is tomorrow morning. Until then, bye for now.